Welcome to the Burnout Recovery Podcast, a guiding resource dedicated to healthcare professionals on their journey to overcoming burnout. Spearheaded by Dr. Joe Braid, a certified professional coach and rehabilitation physician. This podcast offers practical strategies through expert interviews and personal resilience stories, providing invaluable tools for navigating professional challenges while prioritizing well-being. Regardless of your role in healthcare, this podcast acknowledges the toll of your work on your overall health and is committed to supporting your recovery from burnout and fostering a fulfilling, sustainable career. So, if you're ready to begin a transformative journey, join us for each new episode. Together, we'll navigate challenges, celebrate successes, and build a supportive community of healthcare professionals. Hello and welcome back to the Burnout Recovery Podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to have Dr. Jenny Hobbs, who is radioing in from Seattle, Washington. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Jenny is an internal medicine doctor working in the hospital system, and she's actually a night doctor. So that's called a nocturnist in the US. I don't know what our term is here in Australia for that. (laughs) And I had the pleasure of meeting Jenny last year at the Physician Coach Summit, which was held in Texas last year. And this year, we are going to meet again in Arizona at the fourth Physician Coach Summit. How good's that? I am so excited. You're talking about maybe doing it. You mentioned we might do a spa day. So I've been uh, kind of yes. thinking about that. Sounds nice. So yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think we're both speaking, aren't we? Mm-hmm. 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 We're both giving a talk there. Awesome. So Jenny is also a life coach for working mums and she has her own podcast as well called Rethink Your Rules. Doesn't that say it all? So Jenny, I'd love you to flesh out a bit more of an introduction for my audience so they can understand more about you and your life and what has brought you here to where you are today. Thank you. I've been a hospitalist physician for 14 years since I finished my residency. And to be honest, I kind of started out early in my career. I was this person I was going to be, you know, the career woman. I wasn't going to have any kids. I was in leadership. I was doing all the things. And over the course of 14 years, I ended up kind of falling into an online business where I was doing health and fitness coaching, which kind of started with my own fitness journey and kind of getting control of my nutrition and my health for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, And I kind of caught the entrepreneur bug. I really liked, you know, working online and having my business and kind of being my own boss. And it worked so nicely as kind of a part-time thing in addition to my work. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, uh, after about 10 years of marriage, I was like, or not a long time, I was kind of like, you know, I think I do want to have kids. So my husband and I decided to have kids. And it kind of changed my whole life as it does. But for me in particular, because I'd always seen myself as like working full time and the kids were kind of going to be on the sidelines. And um, I I really enjoyed being a mom more than I thought. And my kids were a bit more challenging than I had expected. Um, they've mm-hmm. had some, you know, special needs and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, as things progressed, kind of went into COVID and everything. My husband was kind of unhappy in his job. My life looked completely different um, than I expected by the time COVID started. So I now had two kids, both of whom were very uh, energetic and starting into school. My husband Mm -hmm. was now a stay-at-home parent. I was working only part-time in the hospital and kind of working this part-time entrepreneur business and um, just kind of this... 
how do I explain it? Just everything kind of flipped, turned on its head. Uh, mm-hmm. I found that a lot of my mental and emotional energy was going into figuring out this parenting thing more than right. I ever had expected. I found myself uh, really burned out and exhausted, I think, during the time of COVID and mm-hmm. then trying to build this side business. And then I kind of got into this life coaching thing. And I was like, you know, I like helping people lose weight. I like being an entrepreneur, running my own business. Um, but what I really like is the part where I help them work on their mindset and their relationships mm-hmm. and all these other pieces. And so I kind of during COVID, I think as a lot of us did, I rethought everything and I kind of really refocused on building a life coaching business and getting certified um, mm-hmm. and found that that was really my big it's really much more of a passion for me. Um, and I, without going on too long, that just, it really aligns a lot with what I, you know, as, as a teenager, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist. I always right. really was interested in relationships and people's mindset. And so that really was a great fit. Um, mm. And then just to kind of like put the cherry on top of all this, as my kids started getting their diagnoses during COVID um, mm-hmm. for things like ADHD and autism, um, and I was really burned out, my therapist said to me, uh, I think you might have ADHD. <laughs> and right. I was like, okay. I don't think so. And uh, so that is kind of, that happened a couple of years ago. And that kind of gets us up to where I've been the last couple of years navigating my own new diagnoses, my kids' diagnoses, my business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, does yeah. that was that too so, rambling and long? <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So a lot was going on. You had like earlier focuses on what you wanted to go for and then you know changed with having children and I think many of my audience can relate to that and I can relate to that too and then sort of this unexpected um comment or query from your therapist and I guess you did go down the line of formal diagnosis of ADHD as well would you like to share with us what has then been different for you on maybe reflecting back on life up until that point and then what what you have sort of intentionally uh, supported yourself with. Like I think we've talked before, um, even starting recording today, the gift of your diagnosis of ADHD. Mm-hmm. So that's a few different questions in there, Jenny. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I um, I think part of why I, I, I told, I, that story seemed kind of long, but part of why I said all that was that I think the reason my therapist asked me that question in large part was because she was like, you, here you are, you're this physician who has a business, who has, you have a lot going on, and yet you mm-hmm. have this list of like 10 other things you want to be doing, and you have all these other interests, and, and you're feeling like a little bit unfulfilled. And I was like, right, but like, isn't that like normal? And she's like, no, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think you have a lot, like, I think you're wired differently than a lot of people, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had looked online, of course, when my kids got diagnosed, for those that don't know, ADHD is highly uh, genetic. So mm-hmm. I had already kind of looked at the online quizzes and I never really thought I fit into it. I was like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, I am really organized and, you know, all these things. And at, so when she said that to me, I was like, well, you know, sure, let's look into it. That's fine. And I went and got a more formal, complete evaluation. And mm-hmm. what I learned during that time was that actually many women, do not fit the traditional criteria that we that are right? used to. Yeah, the oh, traditional criteria and the positive or like the the public perception of what it means to have ADHD mm-hmm. is typically really focused on, 
you know, what we've seen in young white boys in school, right? So they're right. jumping on their on their chair and da da da. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like so many things in medicine, it's like, that's because that's who we studied. Yes, <laughs> right? sure. And that's still a big uh, issue in ADHD understanding is that most of the studies yeah. are not done in adults and in women mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, so what I found out when I went and got this evaluation was that actually I basically was quite good at sort of compensating for the way my brain is wired to be successful in this world. So I, not only was I organized, but I was like organized in a way that was like anxious, like no one can move my stuff. That has to be done this exact same way, which looked like I was organized, but actually what I was doing was kind of like compensating for the fact that if I didn't do it that exact same way, everything would fall apart. Does that make, right. does this make yeah. sense? Yes, I um, think so. Yeah. So I think, and, and then the person who diagnosed me said that women who are very smart and also who grow up in like a very restrictive environment, and which mm-hmm. I did with very strict parents, she said mm-hmm. they often like do really well in school and they do really well keeping themselves organized and getting things turned in by deadlines and all these things. So mm-hmm. no one thinks that they have ADHD because they're so good at compensating yeah. for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, I mean, honestly, that gave me this whole, I uh, now a, a lot of the work I do is trying to spread that information out because my heart mm. goes out to so many smart women that I know who feel yes. like something's wrong with them because they're always mm. anxious and stressed and exhausted. And I actually wonder how many of them actually may have ADHD, but because they did well in school and they didn't present in the traditional way, no one ever told them, hey, this is harder for you because your brain is wired differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was a really, that for me was a very Mm -hmm. big uh, turning point. So that's kind of one of the questions you asked. I know there's probably more. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. What what might be some other symptoms or that, you know, you might pick up on in that sort of woman of maybe for 30, 40, 50 year old who uh, may not be meeting some of those online criteria when you do an online quiz. So they may see themselves as organized and maybe inflexible sort of if that organization gets shifted or something else comes in, then um, that that's catastrophic or difficult mm-hmm. to deal with. What else? What else are some other symptoms or patterns you might notice in somebody like that? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think, I think a, you know, a better way to think of ADHD in general is is it's it's a difficulty with the executive functions. So mm-hmm. your ability to plan, prioritize, organize, mm-hmm. and get things mm-hmm. done, right? Yeah. So, and and the other thing to remember is that when you have ADHD, your nervous system is it's what we call an interest-based nervous system. So mm. a person who's wired more typically will be motivated by like that activity will get me the biggest reward or the least punishment. So I will do that first, mm. right? Or that's, right. right? A person with ADHD is like that the rewards and punishments and timelines is not what motivates them. It's yeah. what's interesting or what's not interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. So, yeah. and I say all that to say, you might see this in women who are, have a hard time with procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Um, a big one is feeling overwhelmed. Like you have all these things to do and you don't know where to start. And you, you know, this prioritizing and planning. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Often the other big thing that gets missed in ADHD is that 
one of the hallmark symptoms is emotional dysregulation. So having very strong out of proportion anger or really extreme sadness to any perceived Mm. rejection. Like, so this really um, intense emotion that you can't Mm. overcome and that you can't suppress as well as other people. Right. And that one's crazy because in the U.S. emotional symptoms are not even in our diagnostic criteria for ADHD. But if you ask the experts, it's one of the most universal symptoms. So you'll see these women who might have an outburst at work um, Mm. or they might be a little bit abrupt because they're stressed about how to get their pages all returned on time or they're afraid they're going to forget something. And so they kind of snap at you. Mm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just, I mean, I could go, of course, on yeah. and on, but, but yeah, that, those that are helps. big examples. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So then now share with the audience, please, what is different for you now after you've sort of had that aha moment of like, oh, okay. So um, as you said in your words, my, my brain is wired differently. Um, you, you, you had that sense of a gift of diagnosis of ADHD. What is different for your, yourself now, please, Jenny? Yeah. So one of the best things about getting this diagnosis for me, which, you know, spoiler alert, anyone can give themselves this gift, right? Is that I, when something would happen that I would do, you know, quote unquote wrong, or I procrastinate or I'd stay up too late because I was interested Mm -hmm. in something and then like be sad later that I didn't, I missed a deadline. Right. Instead of being harsh and critical and judgmental, or as harsh and critical and judgmental of myself, yeah. I mm-hmm. would have this sort of self-acceptance or this thought of like, oh, I'm doing that because my brain's wired that way. There's my ADHD, right. makes it harder for me to do that. Yeah. And I know it sounds like such a small thing, but when your inner critic is constantly telling you like, why can't you do this? Everyone else can do this. You should be able to, you're messing mm-hmm. up again. Like that is layering on so much shame and makes it so hard. And now I could say, oh, I understand why I'm doing it. Yeah. Okay? I, you'll know, you yeah. actually, you've not talked to me enough to know I'm always a couple minutes late. And I, this is like probably the best example. I spent so much of my life having my new year's resolution be to be on time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I would joke about it like a month in, I tell my husband, the thing is like, I just don't really care that much about being on time. Like, uh-huh. like I, I, I can't, I, and after I got my diagnosis of ADHD, I realized like, actually, that's true. Like, as a person with ADHD, I don't really care about those couple of minutes. I'd rather squeeze mm-hmm. in a few more things than sit here and be bored five minutes early for a phone call. Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean it's okay that I'm late, but I can work on my tardiness from a place of acceptance and love. Yeah. And like, of course, this is hard for me because this isn't really the way I'm wired, but I do want to get better. And notice how much calmer mm. and more positive and, and, and energy that is than like, yeah. here I am late again. I can't, I'll never figure this out. <laughs> sure. Great. Yeah. So yeah. much more self-compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like great. I said, spoiler alert, like uh, yeah. my husband told me this after we got my son's diagnosis, because, you know, all of a sudden we had this diagnosis. We're like, oh, that's why he can't get himself dressed in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we were like, oh, <laughs> my husband, not a coach, said to me, it occurred to me we could have just decided he was doing the best he could before we had an ADHD diagnosis to explain right. it. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can all give ourselves that gift. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing yeah. the best you can. You sure. should just be kind to yourself about it. Yeah. Yeah. How can you invite that in today? Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't have to be a month away or the next New Year's resolution. How can that be a part of how you operate from today? Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say it's a gift because it it makes it easier when you have this diagnosis someone gives you. But like, yes, you know, you could also just trust that like you're wired how you're wired. You're always doing the best you can. And you could just like accept that while you're working on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Good. So let's talk about the threads between um, ADHD, that uh, time in a woman's life around the perimenopausal years, and also burnout, Uh, because I think there can be some overlap around there. I would see that as one of your areas of expertise. Neither of us are psychiatrists, by the way, in case you're wondering. And so we're just sort of um, discussing our observations and our understandings around around these three topics. But what would you say are some of the interlinks and some of the biochemistry also behind why certain things might be uncovered at that time in a woman's life? So perimenopause, sort of 40s into 50s, mid 40s to mid 50s. Yes. Um, Yes, this is one of my pet my favorite topics for sure. (laughs) I will keep it brief because I've rambled on about this on my own podcast. Um, But I, so what happened to me where you're in your 40s and your kids are diagnosed with ADHD and then the question is raised, do I have ADHD? And you you suddenly are diagnosed as a very successful woman that no one suspected had ADHD and you're in your 40s. That is actually mm-hmm. a very common theme. Um, okay. And it's there's a lot of women who get diagnosed at that point in life. And one of the reasons is because their kids are getting diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons, as I mentioned, is because many women are smart or they're very interested in school. So they're able to be successful in school, right? And so it's not noticed. Um, yes. But another reason for that is because estrogen improves your attention and your executive mm-hmm. function. And so, you know, again, I'm not an OBGYN, but but the way I think about it in my internal medicine mind is like when you have more estrogen, your attention is better. And when you mm-hmm. go into perimenopause around your early 40s, your estrogen levels overall begin to dip and they mm-hmm. decline. So as you get into your 40s and 50s, you have less estrogen around, which means that your ability to have executive function and attention on things is also declining. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. when I picture that, I think, well, of course, so if I if a person had undiagnosed ADHD and now they're 45, right, and their estrogen levels are dropping, they're not getting that additional boost you know, you're going to see more symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as an aside, notice how that's also a time in life where suddenly all these beautiful organized systems that you had when you were 21 for yourself yes. mm-hmm. are being strained because now you're also doing it for maybe your kids and your maybe oh, your spouse yeah. a little bit because you're running the household and you're juggling your job and right. And you also have less help from your hormones. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like the perfect storm. Um and again, even if you don't have ADHD, one thing I think is really interesting and it's helped a lot of my clients is to just remember that if you're noticing you're more forgetful, you're more emotional, um, you're having a harder time prioritizing or getting things mm-hmm. done, that may not even mean, oh, I have ADHD. It may just mean you're in your 40s and 50s and you're get, those are symptoms of your perimenopause that look sure. a bit like that. Yeah. 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 I and can then talk I guess about that can tie, too, yeah. yeah, that can tie in with some of the symptoms we see in burnout as well, um, for sure. With, with that overwhelm challenge with prioritization, I would definitely talk about executive function not being um, as good as it might have historically been for that individual, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Would you yeah. say there is that sort of overlap that you might see yeah. in that time of, of some women's lives? 
Yeah, it's such a complicated interplay, I would say, mm -hmm. <laughs> to use kind of like a buzzword <laughs> sort of phrase. But but I think that's true because like you said, when I read and I look at the stuff that you put out that talks about symptoms of burnout, mm -hmm. some of those symptoms of being, you know, having more difficulty with cognitive things and prioritizing um it does sound a little bit like perimenopause and a little bit like ADHD symptoms. And so sure. I think it can, first of all, just be hard to tease out what's causing it. But of course, if you have several, two or two or more of these things together, it's going to be exacerbated. Yes. Um, and we do know that there are studies that show that people with ADHD are more uh, statistically more likely to experience burnout, which makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I'm sure there's mm -hmm. probably an increase in burnout for women in the workplace and in their perimenopause years for several reasons, which we've yes. talked about. Yeah. Um, and so I do think there's a lot of overlap there. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So why don't you highlight for my audience sort of what you, how you might approach a woman that comes in and, and, and starts coaching with you and she's saying things like, oh, I should be able to get through to my to-do list. I should be able to keep on all, on top of all the things, um, for the family. And I should be able to get through all of my work projects. And this, this whole sense of shooting on self, um, maybe comparatively to how she was managing to do things before, or maybe this sort of endless horizon of never getting everything done and some sort of disappointment with self and and so forth that can can come in that scenario there how might you um work with a client do you have any do you have any like anonymized mm -hmm. client stories that you'd like to share yeah. as well with sort of how you progress um your individual clients you work with in this kind of scenario please jenny yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Yes. I, that's pretty much all like the people that come to me, they're usually overwhelmed and exhausted. And often they are saying a lot of those should phrases. And the other big thing I hear from people is like, something is wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Something is what's wrong with me. Um, kind of question comes up a lot. And so yeah. the first thing that I think is really important to do, and I think I kind of alluded to this first is we sort of just, well, first of all, I have them just tell me all about it. We get it all out of mm -hmm. their head because there's so mm -hmm. many thoughts that you're thinking that you're not even realizing you're thinking that are making you feel terrible about yourself. Like it sounds, sometimes it even sounds good, right? It sounds like a positive thing. Like, oh, I need to be on time more or I need to do this or, you know, whatever. But like, sometimes that's creating a lot of stress, right? Or like you said, like those shoulds, right? Like, mm. like I should spend more time with my kids or I should do this for my kids. Sounds very nice, but you mm. know, so we get it all out right? And then right. we notice what's there. That's a big one because often mm -hmm. people haven't even slowed down to recognize it. And then yeah. it's this, we start asking these questions of like, is that really true? Like, mm -hmm. I need to do this right, or I need to fix this. Well, is that really true? Like, do you have mm -hmm. to fix everything? Do you need to do everything? Who decides what's right? Um, yes. And so we start with a lot of just sort of often as soon as you ask like, oh, well, you know, who, you know, do you have to fix that for that person? Like, or I'll say like, oh, like, why, why is that a problem for you? That's one of my favorite questions, right? Mm, so they're, yeah, they're upset that. about something that someone else is doing. And I was mm. like, oh, like out of curiosity, not to be judgy yeah. to them, but just like, no, well, why is sure. that a problem for you? Oh, well, because, you know, I should, da, 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 right. And we come up to a should, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, And then I'll be like, oh, well, do, do you have to solve that for them? So let's say your child's having a hard time with something. They're a teenager, right? And they're, mm -hmm you're kind of frustrated with how they're talking to you or, or something like that. Right. And then yeah. you realize like, Oh, I could, I could try to 
solve this and make them talk to me more nicely all the time. So my mom doesn't judge me when she hears us talking. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Or I could just decide it's not my problem to control and fix everything my kid does. Mm -hmm. Right. And I could recognize that that doesn't mean I'm a bad mom if my teenager yeah. is talking back to me. And I sure. could just like accept my and after a couple sessions, I don't have to come back and say, well, I'm still thinking that I'm a bad mom. And now I'm like, you know, it's almost like going meta. Now you're like beating yourself up because you haven't cleaned up all your thoughts to think yeah, only positive right. thoughts about yourself, you know? And so even yeah. to be like, of course, my brain offers to me. I love that one too. Of course, my brain yes. offers that I'm a bad mm. mom when my kids are fighting and mm. swearing and my mother-in-law is making that face. Of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I want to be great and I am a perfectionist and I want to be a wonderful mom and I want everyone to like me. Yes. Right. And I just love myself for that. And I recognize once I've loved myself for that, that I could also choose to realize that I don't have to have everyone like me. And that doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. So you can kind of like accept yeah. and love yourself. Yeah. And you can also sort of slowly kind of let go of those rules. You've been, that's yes. why I call my podcast, Rethink Those yeah. Rules. You can just not ha hold to them quite so tightly. So you give yourself mm. a little bit of space to be a human. Mm. Um, so that's where yeah. we start. Um, yes. And we unpack a lot of, honestly, I have, so you asked for an example. I have someone I work with recently who, that's what she came to me with. Like, I don't know what's going on, but something is not right. I, it's maybe it's perimenopause or maybe it's ADHD. I don't know. My son is this. And, you know, my, my home life is a little bit crazy. It's very overwhelming. Mm. You know, I'm having a hard time focusing at work because of all this. And so this is a great example because she and I, and this is what I love about coaching, we just did all mindset and relationship stuff, right? So yes. we did all okay. this work unpacking her thoughts about her parenting, her thoughts about her spouse and her kids, her thoughts mm -hmm. about her work. We did some of this, you know, rethinking her rules. Mm -hmm. And while we were doing that, she was seeking you know, meetings with her general practitioner and meetings with, right. you know, a neuropsychologist and getting yes. diagnosed. And eventually after about a couple of months, she had been diagnosed with ADHD mm -hmm. and she and I had been meeting right. and uh, she was also doing a bunch of other stuff. She, and I actually said to her, I said, well, you know, I want to just be sure that our time together is super valuable. And I know you mm. see therapists and you're doing medication and all this stuff. And what should we focus on? And she said, you know, she, she says, you've been changing my life. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, it was funny what she came up with. What I said, well, tell me, like, what was it? Yeah. And some of it was just these simple things. Like, yes. why is that a problem for me? Great. And asking mm -hmm. herself that question every time she was frustrated with her family, every time mm -hmm. she was frustrated. And she's like, yeah, I was at work and everyone was freaked out about this change. And, you know, my friend was just really upset. And I told her, you know, I... A couple months ago, I would have been just as upset, but now I just yeah. like paused and she said, I, I thought, why does this matter? I'll figure it out. And she said she coached herself out loud to her friend in the parking lot. Wow. And her friend was like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so she gets, she's every week almost, she comes to me with that. So that's where I really think, I think you and I talked about this before as well. Mm -hmm. This is what I love about coaching is that those mindset strategies Mm -hmm. are helpful no matter what the, whether it's perimenopause, whether it's burnout, whether it's ADHD, yeah. some yeah. of the, uh, and exact things that she says changed her life. This is funny too. This woman has listened to everything I've put out on my podcast, on my you know newsletter. And I have said the exact life-changing phrases 
yes. many times, but it wasn't yes. until we worked together and she, mm-hmm. unpa- she did that process I told you about where we unpacked it all for her. Yeah. And then we brought those phrases in that they had that huge impact. Yeah. Um, so is that, I don't know if that, uh, you know, this that, is the ADHD circular story, but I. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. great. It's great. Yeah. I think the audience will have some takeaways of like, why is this a problem for me? I think that's a, a great question. Or why am I making this a problem? Or just mm-hmm. that pause and self-reflection, sort of see how you are part of you are choosing to be a part of this scenario that's going on. Do you want to stay being involved in that? Or is there a little space you can have or a little distance you can have bringing in some of that objectivity in a scenario where you may always have been in a very subjective kind of engagement with it? Mm. That's such a good point because I, I think it sounds so simple, but when you actually ask it, you realize that you haven't, yeah, you've been sort of subjectively upset Mm. that they aren't cleaning up this thing in the house, right? Yes. But but you're not stopping to ask yourself why that's a problem for you. And then when you realize it, then you're like, oh, well, I could either clean it myself or I could have someone else clean it or I could just like go in the other room and like decide I don't care. Yes. Right. You have all these options, but and and they're always there, but it's almost like you can't see it when you're just Mm -hmm. in like the drama of being frustrated that it's it's like that unspoken rule is like dictating all these things. And so all you have to do is speak the rule to yourself. And then you're suddenly like, oh, (laughs) yeah, there it is. is. (laughs) Yeah. Help the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jenny, we're looking to wrap up this wonderful discussion we've had. And maybe, you know what, we might do a part two. How about we catch up in Arizona and then see what's evolving in in our wonderful brains and what we might want to share with our respective audiences after that. To wrap up, please share a self-care tool that you rarely miss. Oh, yes. This is such a good question. So, and it's funny to ask someone with ADHD for something that they rarely miss or that they do consistently, because this is another example. We are famously inconsistent, right? Because again, it's like we do things when we feel like it. Um, But uh, but for me, I will tell you what has, I call it, I have it on my little daily things, my daily Mm -hmm. activities I check off. One of them, it's, I call it play. Mm -hmm. And you could call it whatever you like, but I call it play uh, because I don't, I want a moment in my day where I'm doing something that has no purpose other than to bring me joy and because I feel like it. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and so, so what might that most of the time, I, and I was going to say this one. So most of the time for me, it's reading fiction. Mm. Um, mm. And the reason I chose this is because there's a lot of things I, I do that help me, but I'm not as consistent with. But since mm. the pandemic, actually, I found that reading a fiction book has been the true, the best way for me to truly escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone with ADHD, it's a level of focus when you sit down and read a fiction book and a level mm-hmm. of getting into something and shutting out the rest of the world that sure. is rare to find um, okay. and life-giving. So so for me, most of the time it is reading. However, there have been t- uh, times where I'm not feeling that. And one of the things that I do then, I got this from my daughter. I watched mm-hmm. her and she doesn't care that she's bad at watercolor. She just comes Mm -hmm. home and she comes up to me and she's like, Hey, I want a watercolor. And she just goes with it and has the best time. And so sometimes I actually do something like that. Like I pull out some watercolors or some paints and it's tapping into this thing that we had when we were little kids, right? Imagine you're like fourth grade, you get home from school, you don't need anything from anybody. You have no responsibilities and you got a half hour to yourself and you were like, I want to read my book. I want to paint. 
I want to run outside. Right. And so mm-hmm. for me, and I know this is again, like kind of long, but like for me taking just like 10 minutes a day to be like, what sounds fun and to do it, yes. even if I suck at it or it serves no purpose, but usually it's reading a book, but also just like, I don't know. I think it's good with also with the shooting ourselves all the time. I yeah. like that for me, it doesn't involve any shoulds. It's not like you should mm-hmm. sit down and meditate. You should read a book. Yeah. It's just like, so. great. Yeah. And there's no, not necessarily like a productivity sort of outcome that you can measure yourself mm-hmm. by. It's just sort of free flow. And I'm doing this because it interests me and I enjoy it. And it's like a, a brain break or it's a space for me to just zone off the other things that are on my list and so forth for the day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause Fantastic. I think so many women, I mean, this is ADHD people, but, or anyone neurodiverse, but women in general, we spend so much of our time. I should do this. This is the right thing to do. This helps my kids. Mm. This helps my husband. This helps me learn. This helps me doctor, doctor moms. Yes. It's yes. like everything has to be a purpose, right? You just start mm-hmm. your side business as a hobby and then suddenly it becomes like a chore that you have to do perfectly. I mean, yeah. we all do it. So I just, I'm like almost as like bonus points for myself if I do something that I'm terrible at that has yeah. no, it's like <laughs> I suck at art. I'm terrible at painting. It serves no purpose. And it's like my rebellion against my own need to like, you know, I, I don't know. I, it sounds kind of woo-woo, but I think there's something to it. So. Thanks so much for your time on the podcast today. Please let my audience know where can they find you on the web, on the socials and your podcast as well, please. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. So you can find me at JennyHobbsMD.com. So J-E-N-N-Y-H-O-B-B-S-M-D, like medical doctor.com. So that's my website and you can find links to set up a, you know, discovery session, phone call, something like that. If you want to hear more about working with me. Rethink Your Rules is the podcast that should be available anywhere on all the podcast uh, apps. And I'm on Instagram at Jenny Hobbs MD. LinkedIn, I forget what that, we'll put the link on there. Um, and then I am also on Facebook. I honestly am mostly either on LinkedIn or on uh, Instagram, but uh, I would love to hear from you. And please take a listen to the, Joe was on my podcast too, so you can uh, get a double dose. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. That's great, Jenny. Thank you so much for your time. Great to see you. We'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Burnout Recovery Podcast. If there's someone in your world who would also benefit from this, please share it with them. Remember, you are not alone and there is hope for a brighter, more fulfilling future. Let's continue this journey together one episode at a time. For more resources, including how to move from dread to delight, head to drjoebraid.com.